Welcome to the Ocean Church Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you in your journey of faith. Enjoy the message. Amen. Hey, stand up on your feet before you get too comfortable. I'm so, uh, this sounds like church speak, but, but I want you to, to hear my heart. I'm so excited to get to, to share the word the Lord's put in my heart for our church today. Uh, this is from Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through 2 Say this it says this, I want you to know how much I've agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would unite us, knit us together by your strong ties of love today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Um, so last year, in, in the middle of what I would call the height of just the, the, the political climate and just the anxiety and everything that was taking place in our nation, uh, I had a, a, a pastor friend of mine that, that shared an encounter with, with me, and, and he, he talked about he had just finished a message and literally walked off the platform. And as he got off the platform, there was an individual that, that met him there that came up a little aggressively and how many of you know when someone comes up and they got a bone to pick with you, they're ready to talk, they got something, and it's like, I don't think they're here to encourage me <laughs> right now. And so this was his experience. And this individual began to tell him of how he missed it, how what he should have said, how he should have addressed things, certain things politically and uh, that was in, in the, the climate. And I was so proud of how my friend responded. He was very gracious and firm in his response. He simply said, people are here because they need Jesus, and we're going to point them to Jesus. And my heart is not to ignore, but to point people who are in the midst of, of the uncertainty of this climate, point people to the only rock that their life can be built on. And I'm so proud of that response, but there was this moment of like tension, this moment of uncomfortable uh, where do we go in our relationship right now? Because, you know, this, this individual that came forward, he had this realization of like, hey, I kind of stepped in it. And this is uncomfortable for me. And yet they had this, this great moment of the individual that came forward said, hey, I'm sorry, will, will you forgive me? And, and my pastor friend said, yes, of course. They prayed together, had a great moment. But this is what came out of my heart, and this is the, the, the burden the Lord's given me for this weekend, is when we were talking about it, I, I said these words to him. I said, I, I hope he comes back. Because if he, will, if he will, this is where we get to the good stuff. And it, it is this, this place and this burden that we find throughout the early church that each of the apostles articulated to, to believers saying, hey, our relationships have to be different. And even when we get in places where we need grace extended towards us, and it's uncomfortable, and I don't know what to do, I don't know how you view me, and, and I've kind of messed up, and, and there's an opportunity for offense, 
The Word of God directs us and says, hey, we cannot conduct ourselves as others do and just leave when it gets uncomfortable. And it says if we, if we choose to stay and we purpose to stay through the uncomfortable, that's when we get to the good stuff. That's when we get to the ties that actually bind the adhesive in relationship that binds us together and more importantly points towards Jesus and makes Jesus seen. And this is, this is something that um, each one of us, we, we can see this in different areas of our life. And I want to walk through some examples in Scripture of, of how the apostles went at this and how they, they addressed this and what they said about it. You know, the writer of Hebrews, we're not exactly sure who this was. Most indications point towards Paul. Uh, but it, the, the, the uh, book of Hebrews is different than Paul's other letters. It's more articulate. Paul was very simple in his letters in per, you know, on purpose. He said, I don't, I don't try to come at you with, with you know, big words. I want you to see Jesus. I don't want you to be confused. I want you to understand the gospel. Hebrews is very articulate. It's a beautiful book. The, the, most commentators agree that, that if it is Paul, that it is from one of his messages, that it was either Luke or Apollos that was recording his message to the church. And as he was preaching a message, they recorded this, and it became the book of Hebrews. And so in the book of Hebrews, chapter 5 and into chapter 6, has this account of Paul going, hey, I, I want you, or the writer of Hebrews, I should say, I want you to be mature. I want you to recognize that, that we can't conduct ourselves in relationships like everyone else. I want you to take a step of spiritual growth. I want you to be united because if you don't do this, there's not a foundation that God can build on. And I, and I say all of this because not only do I want us stirred up in our hearts and stirred up in a hunger and our spirits going, God, I want more of you. I don't want to limit the growth that you want to work in my, in my heart. I want, I want that to be a result of today. But I also want us to be able to stop and say, hey, we've been in the middle of an interesting season that sometimes can go ugly for churches. If you're new with us, Welcome. Great to have you. Let me give some context. So approximately four months ago, our lead pastor, Pastor Ed Ivey, resigned. And we believe that he obeyed God when he did so. And obeyed God's leading for he and his family. And it gave our church a moment where God, not an individual, not a person, God said, Ocean Church, will you be mature in this moment? Will you respond with spiritual maturity? Or will you scatter like others have done? And, and, and this is from my heart. I, I don't want just today to be a stirring. I want this to be an acknowledging of you here, my heart and the heart of our staff, the heart of, of just everyone that, that cares about this place saying thank you. Thank you for responding with spiritual maturity. Our culture today is easier to def uh, offend than ever before. We, we, are, we are a very sensitive culture. And there are opportunities, and yet the Word of God says, regardless of, what, of your culture, God has given us standards of how we conduct ourselves in relationships in the body of Christ. 
And the Word calls us back to this. The writer of Hebrews goes from this pleading in chapter 5 into a a statement of doctrine in chapter 6. And you can look it up later and study on your own. There are six statements that the writer of Hebrews says these tenets of faith must be in our lives if if God is going to greenlight any maturity. We must have these things solidified in our life. Otherwise, there's no maturity. God's not going to grow you. He's not going to move you beyond. And how interesting is it that you can watch two people in similar circumstances both go through a hard time, both go through a trial, one come out on the other side transformed. Jesus is seen, growth, maturity happening. The other come out the exact same person that they were before. The, the, the doctrine that I want us to look at and what we're going to talk about today is the, the, it's, it's, the writer of Hebrews refers to it as the doctrine of laying on of hands. And that doesn't mean that, that it's a charismatic service and everyone gets prayed for and everyone's... It's talking about the closeness of relationship that God set this thing up to have. It's talking about the face-to-face. How many of you know when you get in an email discussion or you get in a text discussion, it's really tough to pick up tone? And you can say one thing on text and, and mean something completely innocent, and that person can receive it and be like, well, why'd they get up on that side of the bed today? My concern is that believers, we live in text. That we, we live in this way where we isolate ourselves from the depth of relationship that God's called us to, impending growth and maturity that He has for our lives. And you know what? You have not done that. You don't have to be nervous today. <laughs> you have not done that. We've walked through a hard time. We have walked through an interesting, unique time that I've never been through. This is unique for me. And yet you have responded with spiritual maturity. You've responded with keeping your eyes on Jesus. And and I want to affirm that and, and I want it stirred in our hearts that we are sowing the seeds for the church that God's called us to be that we will reap from next year and the year after that and the year after that of the maturity that God's called us to. You know, we Anna and I did something with the, the Cape Core team as we began meetings with them that we look back on and we're like, wow, that was a little bold. But yeah, I was really unconscious about it when it was happening. So as we began to have interest meetings, and for those of you that are new, we planted a church in, in Cape Coral in 2020. We began interest meetings in, in 2019 and gathering, building volunteer teams to be able to open the campus. And so we, we would have these meetings And one of the things that came out of my heart in that in those meetings that I just knew the Lord had spoke to us about was if you're here and you're coming from another church and I want to meet with you because there's a way that God's people move. And we see this separation in the in the early church that there were those that leave and then those that are sent And there's a separation that God has done with His people. And so I I just knew that for the core of who we are, the foundation of what this church is, we're going to have this right. And so there were some that that had come from other churches. And listen, they, they didn't leave with the right spirit. 
They left a little angry. They left a little bitter. Now listen, it doesn't mean that they were completely in the wrong. There were things that were happening that weren't always right. You know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer is a, a hero of mine. He was a pastor in, in Nazi Germany and was martyred in a, in a uh, Nazi prison for his refusal to go along with what other pastors would in bowing to what Hitler was asking them to do. And he wrote a book called Life Together that is a, a wonderful statement of Christian community. And in that book, he, he talks about the most important step that we take as believers is letting what he refers to as the wish dream of church utopia die. This wish dream, this, this expected utopia that we can carry in our hearts as we go into a church and say, it, it's, it's got to be this way, otherwise it does not meet my expectations. And, and Dietrich said, he said, unless that dies, we will be hindered from any real growth that the Lord wants to do in our lives. And it is such a, it's such an interesting thing that, that we can get in these situations and, and God asks us to respond with maturity. Now, one commentator uh, defined maturity as the capacity, let me get this right, the capacity for Jesus to be seen and known in an individual or community. The capacity for Jesus to be seen and known in an individual or community. And that, that commentator was me. That was the best that I could. <laughs> Sometimes people hear it a little different. It says that was a commentator. And, and so full disclosure, that was, that was it. But I say it that way because it, it, it's important that we're able to, to walk through circumstances and know in the relationships of our life, it doesn't have to be perfect. But there is an impression of Jesus that we must come back to and live from that God's Word directs us to. The apostles begged for this. Paul said in Colossians, we read it early, I agonize for you. I agonize for you. James 1 said, James called it the growth of endurance. Peter called it the full experience of salvation. John, who was known as the apostle of love, took a break from being the apostle of love when he talked about it in 1 John 2. In 1 John 2, he said, the Antichrist is coming and some Antichrists are already here. And how do we know is because they have left our churches. The apostle of love, you read it and you're like, John, you are not helping your reputation to be the apostle of love. What, what were they saying? They were saying that there is an endurance in relationship that God has called us to walk in that is spiritual maturity that allows Him to be seen, that allows Him to be known. And we see that today. I'm so grateful that, that Jesus is seen today. We sang it earlier. There's none like you Jesus, you're beautiful. Why can we do that? Because you have responded with spiritual maturity. Why can we have faith? And why has a church in, in Cape Coral, you know, we're one church, two locations, and yet that church has had to respond. That campus has had to respond with spiritual maturity because these individuals that we asked and we said, hey, you need to go have these conversations with your pastor. And they, they would go and have those conversations. And, and, and I walked them through it and just said, you, you start by saying thank you. You start by submitting and saying, this is what we believe the Lord is leading us. 
We want to say thank you. Those are hard conversations. I look back at that, and I have a little thoughts like, man, I can't believe we asked people to do that. But the Lord directed us that way so that the foundation of that campus would be built with spiritual maturity. We didn't know that eight weeks in, that campus would have to go fully online, and they heard Pastor Ed. They didn't hear me. They got eight weeks of getting to know us, but they didn't know us as in Estero, and and at that time, the Naples campus, and they just knew in a short eight weeks of what was the expression in Cape Coral. What enabled them to endure and to stay was spiritual maturity, was sowing those seeds at the beginning. It's what enables them to stay and enables God to continue to move and to grow that campus. You know what? The last four months have represented a very different expression for them. The wish dream of what they think church should look like has gone away for a lot of them. They've been watching what you see live. They've been watching that on broadcast in Cape Coral. And there's a peace in their hearts they've had to decide, am I going to stay and believe God's called me here now that this looks different and feels different? Or am I going to leave? I'm so thankful to see and to know we are sowing seeds of spiritual maturity. There's a foundation that that God is building that is setting the table for what He wants to do in the future. There's three things that I just want to hit very quickly about maturity and how we see spiritual maturity, what it requires. The first thing is it requires relationship. We must have an understanding that God has not created His church to be just lone rangers having an individual relationship with Him. You know, the Word of God does not contain the phrase, personal Savior. This is a church phrase that we say, and it's not a bad phrase. But I, but I want us to be clear, Paul in his letters used the phrase, our Lord or, or our God, 54 times in his letters. He only used the phrase, my God, one time. There's an understanding that this is a community. We are birthed into the church of God. We are birthed into the family of God. Salvation is not just an individual moment. It is an adoption into the family of God. It matters how our relationship is with one another. Nothing happens in the kingdom of God outside of relationship. So the first thing is that this, this requires relationship. Maturity requires relationship. The second thing maturity requires is we stay when others leave. This is, this is something that, that I, don't, I don't know. Let me ask for a show of hands. How many of you are watching The Chosen? Anyone watching The Chosen? Okay, a good number of you. If you're not watching The Chosen, no condemnation. It's fine. It's, it's literally Jesus trying to talk to you. <laughs> No, I joke about it because now it's gotten to this place like we say it like this, like, oh, you, you don't watch The Chosen? Oh. So you got sin in your life or what's your? It is not that. No condemnation. It's a, it's a wonderful show. But what I love about it is it, it, doesn't, um, it doesn't keep the, the tension of conversation out. It portrays it in a wonderful way because sometimes I think we read the Word of God and we miss the actual tension that is happening in these moments. 
John chapter 6, Jesus has just fed the 5,000. Multitudes are following him, declaring their allegiance to him, calling themselves disciples. And then he begins to say things like this. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. And then he doesn't clean it up. I, I, would, I would clean that up immediately. I, I'm not, I really, I don't do great intentious moments. Jesus doesn't clean it up. He just lets it sit. And the people, they, they begin to respond and say like, hey, what do you mean by that? How can you say that? And he just, just lets it ride, just comfortable. And they begin to walk away. I definitely would have cleaned it up then. Like, wait, wait, wait. No, you don't understand. See, we're going to have churches, and we're gonna, we're gonna, it's going to be beautiful. It's this moment of communion where we recognize the sacrament. You know, I, I would try to clean it up. He just lets it sit. They're walking away. And then Peter is sitting there like, oh, my gosh. And Jesus turns to his disciples and he just says, are you going to leave as well? And Peter says, where else would we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. See, see, these are the moments that the Lord allows in our life where it doesn't always make sense and it's not always clear and it's not comfortable. And yet spiritual maturity demands that we stay when others would leave. I love how that finishes. John 6 finishes with Peter saying this incredible moment of statement of faith in Jesus. And, and I, I look at that and I'm like, man, that must have really ministered to the Lord. You know how Jesus responded? He said, I chose 12 of you, but one of you is a devil. like angry Jesus today. <laughs> the Lord doesn't prevent us from moments of tension. He doesn't prevent us from walking into hard, uncomfortable moments because they are the moments of growth in our spiritual walk, the moments of maturity where the statement of my life being hidden in Christ, that it's no longer I live, but Christ that lives in me, is brought. The last thing that I want to put in front of you is maturity requires we invite Jesus to heal our broken pieces. There's a beautiful picture of what Jesus does in Japanese art. There's a Japanese art form called kintsugi. Kintsugi is the, the uh, art of taking broken pieces of pottery and, and when they are, are fixed and put back together, when those broken pieces are, are, are attached back to one another, they're done, they've, they've been done with, with not just adhesive, but with precious metals mixed with the adhesive. And so what is the result of Kintsugi is that a, a piece of a pottery now becomes a one-of-a-kind masterpiece. A piece of pottery that once had a, a certain form and function and value now has a value that greatly exceeds what it was when it started. 
And, and this is what happens when we choose to stay. This is what happens when we choose to walk in real relationships and allow God to work depth into our relationships. It is the, the healing of the broken pieces of our life. Every single one of us know what it is to have our heart broken pieces in relationships. Paul in Colossians 3 defines three of those relationships that really represent three of the main places that our heart is broken pieces. Church is one of those places. He doesn't leave that out. He, he recognizes that each one of us can have experiences. And, and we see this even in the moments before Jesus goes to the cross in his last moments. He's just trying to go die for us. And before he gets there, he has to heal the damage done by one of his disciples. Peter cuts off the ear of Malchus. It's not an insignificant fact that Jesus took time in those moments. The last miracle that he did prior to the cross is to heal the damage done by one of his followers. We have these broken pieces and we walk through things where maybe you've been damaged by a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're in a church that your heart was broken by the way that you were treated or the way that you were led. I want your heart to look to Jesus and know that if you can respond and keep your eye on Him, He will heal the broken pieces of your life. This is what He does. He takes our lives and He puts them back together and, and, and they're different than they were before. Because if we don't allow Him to do that, we live with a filter. We live with jaded, jagged, sharp edges of life that we can't step into relationships whole and complete the way that we've been created to. The burden for I have for, that I have for us today is that we would recognize what God has done and that, that, that we've responded in a wonderful way. And also to be stirred in our hearts and say, God, you are doing this work. You have taken the, the pieces the plans of the enemy and you have united and you've made stronger and you've made more valuable than anything we could have drawn up, anything that we could have seen. And God, we're going to respond right because we know that's your heart to continue for this community, for Southwest Florida, for this nation. Jesus, we want to be a force of you putting the broken pieces of people's hearts back together. Will you bow your heads with me? Lord, we thank you that there's none like you. Lord, today you're inviting us. God, thank you that you're never too busy to, to, to not stop and heal our broken pieces. Lord, I pray that, that everyone at the sound of my voice online in this room, Lord, that, that they wouldn't think that this is a lack of acknowledgement at the difficulty and the pain that brokenness in relationship is. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would meet them in this moment, Lord, that the, the ones that are, that are dealing and knowing that, that my life and this peace in my heart has been broken by how I've been treated and what I've seen, what I've heard, God, that you as only you can would invite them to you to heal the broken pieces, to bring their hearts back to the place that you've created them to be, 
and to live from. Lord, we say thank you. Lord, thank you for the testimony of this church. Thank you for the way that they have responded. Lord, lives are changed because of that. And God, we say continue. Lord, would you continue this work in us? Lord, we want to plant the seeds to have a foundation of spiritual maturity. Lord, that the broken pieces will be returned and put back together. We say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? I'm going to invite our prayer team to make their way to the front. And we're going to close. Pastor Brandon is going to lead us in a short song. And our prayer teams are available. If the Lord's dealing with you and you know that you need prayer, you came in today, it could be connected to what you heard or just something that you came in, a need that you have, we want to pray with you. And so you don't have to wait. Our prayer team is here. If you're in need of prayer, I want you to go ahead and begin stepping out, coming forward. We want to pray with you. And Pastor Brandon is going to lead us in a song as we do that. Pastor Brandon. We hope you were encouraged by the message today. A special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can like, subscribe, or share it with someone. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.